We are FBC Summit, leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'd ask if you would that you please turn in your Bibles to Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 17 today. And in case some of you do not know who I am, I am Scott Johnson. I am the student pastor here, and um, I'm thankful to be that. Um, it has been a blessing to me and my family, and I'm excited today to be able to share with you a little bit of what God has put on my heart to share with you today. And the youth and I have been walking through this series uh, this past month, and this series has been titled, When Life is Tough and When Life is Hard. And I've told them multiple times the reason why our life is, is hard and it is tough is because of Genesis chapter 3 and the sin that entered the world through that. And because of that, it has an effect on each person. And, and because of that sin, that it has affected every person throughout time and will continue until the day that the Lord comes back. And what happens is this sin that, that has affected us. We live our life knowing that there are going to be different crises that we step into in our lives. And today I want to ask you a question. And when these crises comes to our lives, how do we handle it? What do we do? Do we, do we grumble? Do we complain? Do we lay down? Do we quit? Or do we turn towards the Lord for our help and for our trust? So the title today is In Times of Crisis. And we're in Exodus, so I don't have to tell you a whole lot. But I do want to give you some background of what was going on in the life of the Israelites and what they were dealing with. You know as well as I do that they had been enslaved and they were being led out. And in Exodus chapter 14, we see one of the first crises they come to is as they're leaving, they get to the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh is chasing behind them. And they get there and they feel like they are trapped and they turn and they look at Moses. And one of the very first things they say is that, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here? And Moses is told by God to lift his staff, and when he does, you know that it split the Red Sea. And it says that they walked through on this dry ground, and on the other side, Moses raised that staff again, and when he did, it closed in behind them and took care of Pharaoh's army. You see God deliver them from this crisis that they were in. In Exodus chapter 15, they, they get to the other side, and they come to this place called Marah, and when they get there, they see that this water is too bitter, and they can't drink, and they begin to grumble, and they begin to complain again because they're facing another crisis. In the middle of this crisis, God looks at Moses and shows him a tree, and he tells him to throw this tree down into the water, and he does. And this water all of a sudden turns sweet. So this crisis, God steps in and takes care of it again. In Exodus chapter 16, they're, they're going through the wilderness. They begin to get hungry. And you know what happens when you get hungry? You start to get irritable and they start to complain and they start to gripe again. And God steps in again and he tells them that he's going to bring this, this bread from heaven that's going to come down and he's going to have these quail that are for meat for them to have. And God steps in again in the midst of this crisis. God delivers them again. And then the first part of Exodus chapter 17, we know the story where they become thirsty and there's no water or anything around and God tells Moses to take that staff again. He tells him to strike this rock and from the rock comes water and God delivers them again. Time after time, there is crisis after crisis that they meet and time after time again, God delivers them. And I want to talk to you today about this fifth crisis that the people of Israel are going to be faced with. And why I want to talk to you is because of this. I know that God's Word is a constant help for us, and we can know that crises are going to come in our life, but we can look to see what they went through at this time in Exodus 17, verse 8, and see what we can learn to help us when we deal 
with crisis. So Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, and I would ask again that you do stand as well as we read God's Word together. Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 8. And then Amalek came out to fight against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men from us to go out and fight against Amalek, for tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought against Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about that when Moses held his hand up, that Israel prevailed, and when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were weary. So they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on the one side and one on the other. And thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek when his people were by the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, To write this in a book is a memorial and recite it to Joshua so that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and he named it, The Lord is my banner. And he said, the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray. And Father, again, I know this, that Lord, there are crises that comes into our lives that we will face. And Father, today, through the reading of your word, God, I find courage through that to know that, Father, that number one, I don't have to face these crises alone. And that, Father, that you will be through these things every step of the way. So, Father, I pray for today. Father, anyone here today that may be dealing with something that, Father, they find encouragement through your word and your word alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So through this reading of one of the crises that Israel is facing, I want to share a few things with you today. And one of the first things I want to share is this, is that we will all face crises in our lives. All of us. There's no one that is immune. This is God's people, and we've already seen where they have been enslaved. They dealt with that crisis. They were let out the Red Sea, another crisis. They get to where they're thirsty. They get to where they're hungry. All these different things that they face. We will all face these types of crises, and, and nothing grips a person or a people group more to me than war. And we see in verse 8 that they are being attacked. It says that Amalek came out and fought against Israel. They didn't go looking for this. This was something that came to them and it was a sudden and it was an unexplained attack. And as I think about different crises that we deal with in our life, have you ever noticed that most of the crises we deal with are always sudden? That they are things that get us when we're not ready for it. It's something that is completely unexpected and that's what was happening to them. They were traveling, going to where God had sent them to go and this group of people comes out and attacks them and not only was it sudden, not only was it unexpected, but it was very cruel, and it was a very savage attack. I'm going to read to you what Deuteronomy says about it. Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18 says it this way. It says, Remember what Amalek did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, how he met you along the way, and listen, and he attacked you among the stragglers at your rear when you were faint, when you were weary, and he did not fear God. As they were traveling, what this group of people did was they attacked them. And not only did they attack them, they attacked them at the rear. They got the ones that were handicapped. They got the ones that were helpless. They got the ones that were sick. They got the ones that were weary, the women and the children. And that is who they attacked first. And Amalek was out to completely destroy the people of Israel. 
when they were weak, when they were weary. And I want you to understand something. Christ has come to every one of us, and none of us are immune to it. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It has no bearing whatsoever what your social standing is. Crisis comes for all of us in this and to this. If you think just because you are a child of God that you will escape dealing with crisis, you're wrong. We have been warned as a church over and over about this prosperity gospel. We have been warned about this belief that when you become a Christian that your life is all a bed of roses and everything is going to work out perfect for you. And this name it and this claim it situation, I want you to understand something. We are talking about the chosen people of God. And we have seen crisis after crisis that they have dealt with. And just because you're a child of God doesn't mean that you are immune to it. I want to tell you about one of the toughest crises I've ever dealt with in my life. Ever. It was when I lost my dad. My children were young. It was when the Wii's first come out, the little game system, and they were going on sale and you could get them on a certain day. And what I decided I was going to do is I was going to stay up late and I was going to go get dressed and leave the house at about 11-something to come to Walmart here in Macomb and I was going to be there at 12 o'clock. That way, when these weeds started being on sale, I could be one of the very first people to get one. And I was going to surprise my children. And I got up to do exactly what I said. And I went to our back bedroom, our larger room, to get a shirt to get ready to go. And as I was in that room about to leave, I looked out my back window of my house. And the back window of my house pointed down through a hollow that had a pond in it. Up on the other side of the hill was my parents' house. My mother was at work in New Orleans, and as I looked out that window, I noticed that it looked very bright down there at the end of the house. And the closer I looked, I realized that there was a fire. So as fast as I could, I got Mindy up. I told her to go call 911, and I took off down to the house. And as I get there, I realized that their house is on fire and it's coming through the back of the house. So I run around to the back, and it was amazing that the, the power was still on. There was a security light that was still there, and we had a, a well. We didn't have community water that run off electricity, and I noticed that that flame was coming up from the edge of where the kitchen was. Well, I grabbed that garden hose that was there by the edge of it, and I started trying to spray that fire to put it out. And I realized that there was nothing I could do. It was too far gone. There was no way that that water hose was going to do it. And at that moment, I started looking around to try to find out where my dad was and why he wasn't helping me. And it was at that moment that I realized that my dad was in that house. So I went into a, a panic mode trying to find out where he was at. And it was late at night, so I figured he was in his room in his bed. So I ran around to the back of my parents' bedroom, the house that I grew up. And of course it's night and everybody's got windows locked and all those things. So I had to bust the windows open to try to get into the house. And when I went in, I realized that I couldn't see. The smoke was too much. It was burning my eyes. I couldn't breathe. And I tried to holler out to call for my dad to see if I could hear him. And I couldn't. If I opened my mouth, it took every bit of oxygen it was from me. So I just closed my eyes and got to feeling around. Trying to find my dad. And I can't find him, and I luckily find my way back to the bed again, and I find their dresser, and I climb out the window, and as I fall on the ground, I finally get my breath back. And I think to myself, where would he be? 
And at the time, I had the bedroom that was the coldest bedroom in the house. I don't know why. It was right across the hallway from my parents' house, and it dumped every bit of the cold air that could be found. And I painted my walls this dark color, and he would go in there sometimes just because it was cool and it was dark. So I went around to the front of the house to do the exact same thing. I try the window. It's locked. I have to bust the window. I take my deep breath, and I crawl into that room, and I search everywhere in there that I can. And while I'm searching, I hear my brother. And he's screaming from outside the window. And I can hear him. I can't see him. I can't open my eyes. I can't do anything. But I finally make it back to the edge of that window where he's hollering. And he pulls me out onto the ground. I catch my breath again and I'm, I, I finally get there. My brother says one of the smartest things I've ever heard in my life. He says, just go back in and grab the cover and try to pull the cover. If you can grab the cover and you can pull the cover off, you'll know he's not in there. If you grab it and you pull it, you know he's there. So I go back in again, and I, I grab a hook to the cover, and I pull, and nothing. It just straight comes straight off. So I realize he's not in there. And I come back out, and I go around to their bedroom window to do the same thing. And with everything that I have within me, I'm hoping upon hope that when I grab a hook to that cover, that when I pull it, that it doesn't move. And when I grab it, it does. And it comes straight off. And I can remember my brother getting me out again. And I can remember going to the front of my parents' house, looking out over that hollow like I had always done so many times before, up towards my house over that pond. And I can remember falling on my knees and looking away from my parents' house. And there was so much light coming from that house that I could see everything. And I fell to my knees, and the only thing I wanted to do was just to pray. And I realized that at that moment, there was nothing else that I could do to get my father out. And I tell you that for a reason, because it was one of the toughest crises that I've ever been in my life. But I want you to know something. Jesus Christ had saved my soul before that moment. And I want you to understand something. Crisis comes to every one of us. It is part of this fallen world that we live in. Until the day Jesus sets things right, we're going to deal with them. And what I want to encourage you is that there are things within God's Word that can help us get through these things. This was God's chosen people that we're talking about. This was not a group that were not believers. We're going to face crisis in our lives. All of us. And no one is immune to them. And some of you here today may be dealing with one right now. Man, I don't know. But if you are, I want to encourage you with what I learned and what I have seen through the reading of this word here. The second thing is this, that we never have to face a crisis alone. We, we, we don't have to go through this alone. Look at what happens in verse 9. We see that Moses is there and Moses says to Joshua, he says, choose for you men of us to go out in a fight against Amalek for tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. What he says is, I'm going to choose you, Joshua. And then Joshua, you go choose men. And if you look at this, you'll see that there's moments where Joshua is going to be down in this valley and he is going to be fighting, but he is not alone. And Moses steps up to the top of this hill and you think for a moment, well, maybe he's going to be alone, but that's not the case. Verse 10 says that Joshua did exactly as Moses told him and he fought against Amalek. But listen, it says, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. See, they're facing a crisis in their life like they had never faced before, but none of them are alone. Not one single 
person and the Israelites faced it alone. And I want you to understand something. We don't face crisis in our lives alone. There are people that God has placed in our life to help us through these moments. Verse 12 goes on to say that, that Moses' hands become heavy and, and they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands. It says that one was on one side and one was on the other and thus his hands were steady until the sun set. Do you realize that they are all together facing this crisis together? No one is alone. The valley is fighting, but they're not fighting alone. The mountaintop, the hilltop is together, but they're not fighting it alone. And they face it that way. And I want you to understand something within a church. Man, we have been blessed with so many different attributes that each person has and so many gifts that God has given us. And we use them to help one another. We use those things so we can bear one another's burdens as which God tells us to do. And I want you to know something. We have small groups here within this church. And if you're not a member of a small group, I want you to understand what you're missing out on. The small groups here at this church is a group of believers that live their lives together. And it's a small group because they get intimate and they get personal with each other. And anytime anybody deals with something, there's a whole other group of people that are there with them building them up. It's one of the greatest things we have here. We have our music ministry. Man, led us in worship a while ago. It was so beautiful. But do you understand that is a group of people that carry one another's burdens. It is a group that has been together with the gifts that they have been given so they can lift each other up. We have, have youth ministry. We have children's ministry. We have a primetime group. We have a kitchen group. We have a security group. We have a media group. There is so many other areas that we have in groups within this church that all they want to do is help each other out. Man, I pray more than anything that you realize today that whatever you're dealing with or whatever you may deal with, that there's never going to be a point in your life where you have to deal with it alone. Crisis will come, but you don't have to deal with it alone. Let me share it to you this way. 1 Corinthians 12 says this in verse 12. It says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members. All the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And he goes on in, in, in chapter 12, verse 25 and 26 of Corinthians, and he says this, "...so that there may be no division in the body." but that all members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, then all members are honored. You see, God made us this way. It's the way He planted. And this excites me to no end to know that when we all do our part within this church, when we all play an active role, when one person benefits, we all benefit. It's an exciting thing to know that I am not alone. And if you're here today, I want you to understand something. You're not alone. The night that that happened, I remember going out to the edge of that pond and I remember getting on my knees again and looking forward and I remember the one thing that I wanted to do more than anything that night was that I wanted to just pray. And I wanted to pray out loud. I couldn't do anything else. I knew there was nothing else I could do. And all I wanted to do was voice a prayer out loud to God. And I can remember I couldn't get a word to come out of my mouth. 
And I got on my knees even more and I bowed my head down and I closed my eyes and because I couldn't get anything to come out of my mouth, all I wanted to do was voice a prayer in my head and I couldn't even get a word to come into my head. And that was the moment that God sent some godly people to where I was. And there were different people from that day forward that did different things for my family. There were people that brought food. There were people that, that brought clothing. There were people that just came to sit with me, to sit with my mother, to sit with my family. But I knew at that moment I was not alone. And as I was on my knees, God sent a man by the name of Elton Bullock. And Elton Bullock whispered in my ear while I was on the ground. And he said, I don't know why this is happening. And he said, and I don't know why you're going through what you're going, but I want to share one verse with you. And he shared with me Romans 8, 28. And you know what it means. It says that, that all things work for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to His good purpose. All things. And I didn't understand that. But what I did know from that moment forward was there were people that were around me and that I was not alone. There were people that surrounded me. And in one of the toughest crises in my life, I didn't have to deal with it alone. Because you see, crises happen. And you're not immune to it. But I pray more than anything today that you realize that you are not alone. And not only are you not alone, the third thing is this, is that we can depend on God to help us through. Listen, we can depend on God to help us through. Verse 11 again, it says that it came about that when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed, and when he let his hand down that Amalek prevailed. I want you to understand something. When he raised his hand, they started to win. And when he lowered his hand, they started to lose but I want you to know something. This has everything to do with God and has nothing to do with Moses or his hands. This is the same staff that when Moses first went to talk to Pharaoh that he threw on the ground that turned into a snake. It is the, the same staff that when they faced the Red Sea that he raised in the air and it split and they went through that dry ground. This is the same staff that he held up on the other side that collapsed in on Pharaoh's army. It's the same staff that he struck the rock that turned the rock into water. It is the power of God and the power of God is always enough to get us through it's always there it's always enough always and it was the power of God that led them through every crisis up to this point do you understand through this 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 exodus that they were going through they had faced trial after trial after trial and crisis after crisis after crisis but God had got them through every single time He's proving over and over that He can be trusted to them and He has proven to you and to me every time over and over and over again that He can be trusted. Verse 12 says this, that Moses was up there and it says that his hands began to get heavy as it said. They, he began to get tired. And I want you to understand, Moses was 80-something years old. He has a right to get tired, correct? Not too long ago, Chris and I were down at the new court we had built and we were on a scissor lift and we're putting these backboards up. I'm not 80, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not close to 80 in my mind anyway. But we're down there and I'm having to hold this goal up while he's doing different things and tightening it up. And I want you to understand something. About 15 minutes into that, I felt like my deltoids were on fire. They were burning. 
And Moses, Moses gets tired because he doesn't have the ability to get through this crisis. It's not his hands that are holding up that's making the difference. What is making the difference is the staff that he has in his hand. Let me take it a step deeper so you understand. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says this, So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword again. We know that it was the staff that was raised that did that. But look, it goes further to say that the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua. And listen to what he says, that I will. You see, it's the power of God that come through triumphant here. He says that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses does what only Moses can do. He knows where his help comes from, so he builds his altar and he names it, The Lord is my banner. And then he said to him again that the Lord has sworn, the Lord has, and the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation to generation. It was the Lord. It was the Lord that had proved Himself over and over to get them through. And I want to tell you something that helped me and how the Lord truly showed me how I was able to rely on Him through this crisis. I told you that verse that Mr. Elton quoted that verse 828 to me and, and I'm one of those people that, that, listen, you give me a verse, I'm all excited about it, but I want to go back and I want to read everything else. I want to know what's in front of it. I want to know what's behind it. I want to know every part of it. And I told you that night that I had got on my knees and all I wanted to do was pray. I was saved and I knew where my help come from, but I couldn't find a word to explain what I was feeling in my heart. He quoted that into my ear and shared that and whispered that into my ear. And a couple weeks later, I go back to look to see what is before and what is after. And this is what Romans 8, 26 and 27 says. You want to talk about how the Lord can be trusted to get you through a crisis. This is what He did for me. It says that in the same way the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. When we are weak is when He is strong. And it says this, For we do not even know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. I couldn't tell you how bad I was hurting that moment. And the words that I would have got out of my mouth would not have compared to the depth that I was feeling within my heart. But I didn't have to because the Lord was fighting my battle for me. It says again that He was speaking on my behalf with words. They were groaning too deep for words. In verse 27 says that He searches the hearts and He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because, listen, He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's what He does. He intercedes. He helps. He groans for us when we can't even figure out how to get through a crisis. And He is the one that we can trust to get us through. And as I was reading this and preparing this sermon, I read something that totally amazed me about it. In, 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 in Exodus 13, 17, when they start to leave to be delivered out, it says that God looks at him and he tells him he don't want him to go through the lands of the Philistines because he's scared that they will see war coming and that they will go back to Israel, I mean to Egypt. He, he don't want to send them there because he knows war is coming. You see, they weren't ready at that moment to deal with the crisis of war. But through everything else that they dealt with, God had delivered them over and over time and time again to get them to this point to where now there is war, but He sends it their way and they are ready for it. And time after time, God was teaching them that you can trust me. It's the whole story of this wilderness, this wandering that they were doing. In the moment of the crisis they were in now, he was there to deliver them from that. 
in God's presence that day, in that staff that Moses raised high, I want you to understand something was more powerful than any weapon that they had on that field that day. And I don't know what you may be dealing with if you're dealing with a crisis right now. And if you're not, I want to assure you this, that you will. It's coming. But man, God has done something wonderful. He has put people in our life to where we don't have to deal with anything alone. And not only that, we have a Savior who gave His life for us that loves us enough to help us through anything that we deal with. In that final verse through there, Moses does something in verse 15. And in verse 15, this is what he says. He says he builds an altar and he names it that the Lord is my banner. In those days you raised your banner as a sign of victory. The one that raised it up was the one who had conquered and the one who was in control. Listen to me. The one who, who won the victory, the one who raised the banner was the one who conquered and the one that was in control. And I want you to know something. Jesus Christ has already won the victory. The banner belongs to Him and is He in control of everything that we do in our lives. And I want to encourage you today by this. If you're a child of God, it doesn't mean you're going to escape crisis. But if you're a child of God, what it does promise you is this. That you won't deal with the crisis alone. And that there are people that God has put in your path to help you through it. But most of all, if you're a child of God, He loves His children and He will help you through. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to FBC Summit. We are leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known. For more information, visit our website, fbcsummit.org.